Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back with Ayers on the Road. This is Richard and Linda Ayer, and we are always excited to talk to you. I don't know if you're on the road or not, but wherever you are, it's a good day. Doesn't it seem like this comes around pretty often? I mean, it's once a week, but I swear we do this like every third day. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, right? Absolutely. Did you hear that guy uh, the other day in church? We heard a guy say, uh, the bad news is that time flies, but the good news is that you're the pilot. Yeah, that's that's I'm still true. thinking about that one. I know. I don't know if that comforts me or not. <laughs> <laughs> it should. Um, we've had a wild and crazy week around here. We had a retreat at our house. Our daughter runs a big um, website called Power of Families. Boy, it was wonderful. They spent all day and got into so many different topics, mainly on parenting, but they touched a little on marriaging, and we call it marriaging. Yeah, and, but it was so fun to meet some faces that go with the people out there in cyberspace. They were terrific. We had one from North Carolina, one from Canada, um, several based in Utah, but they, they were absolutely wonderful. They're just dedicated that's, parents. That's the great thing. When you're, when you're together as a group talking about family and about marriage and about parenting, you, everybody learns. It's not like, and, and this is especially interesting for us because so often we're, you know, the, the, we're the speakers and sort of the pressure's on us and to be here and just sort of observe and throw in a comment now and then and watch our daughter take over on things was really, really great. And I think it's the, it's the brainstorming. One, one of the things we were talking about is how, you know, no one's a parenting expert. That's, that, that, that's an impossible term because that would imply, you know, every child. And you know, and, everything about parenting. Yeah. And in fact, we're all just trying to become experts on our own children, on our own child. But being together with other parents and really talking about it, you know, I've, I've been, I'm sure many of you have, to so many seminars over the course of life, and they're on business or investing or legal strategies or whatever, and they last all day. And, you know, and why don't we have more of that type of meeting, really focusing and drilling deep on how to create a stronger family? Well, how you know. To, how to do things in the home, the number one priority. It was from 9 to 5.30. When, yeah. when she sent us that agenda, I said, whoa, how are we going to keep these people going for seven and a half hours? Or and they wanted to go longer. Eight and a half, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was pretty awesome. They they were so terrific. And the, one of the best part was parts was that we have two other children that have moved back to Utah that are now. now. In so Utah. Noah and his wife, Christy, came for a while and uh, and added some humor and some spark to the show and then ran a discussion group and uh, so on. Yes, and, and then Sadie also lives very close to us, our other daughter, and her husband held down the fort and got the kids to basketball, soccer, baseball and all that. And uh, she had so much fun. We had a lot of fun with her. So it was a great family. And you know, we, we are aware of more and more parenting groups cropping up where, where parent, well, for one thing, when people do joy school, which is our preschool curriculum that many of you listeners know about, one of the advantages of that is that the parents of the kids who are in the joy school often get together and have a coordinating meeting and talk about the kids and what they've observed about each other's kids and so on. But I'm also aware of more and more 
parenting groups where people just form. It's like a book group, right? We all we all have book groups, or we have, you know, different yeah. th reasons for gathering. And and more and more parents, often within their own neighborhood, have set up parenting groups, and they get together periodically and just talk about what are the concerns they're having, what are the worries they have with their child. Uh, does anyone have any ideas? Sometimes even cross-pollinating a little. Can you help my daughter with this problem? Because you have a little more social distance. It's a wonder. I, it's like anything else, Linda. The more you talk about um, these things, the more the more sort of into it you are, and the more good ideas you have. And so often, parenting is just something we do, and we never really talk about it or brainstorm it or become creative with it and we just get frustrated about it yeah. it's just such a hard job but uh in fact Saren has something called learning circles that you can look at if you want to join with some parents uh she even gives you some topics that you can start with and then you morph out to what you're really worried about at the moment or, or excited about well and and i should mention that on our website on valuesparenting.com there's also uh, there's now forums where you can get together and chat with other parents, um, even when you're not in their neighborhood, just online. And so I guess, I guess what we're really saying, and we're going to get to the topic here in a minute, which is another, <laughs> another, we think a really important tip on marriage. But I guess what we're saying is don't, don't isolate yourself as a parent, right? I mean, surround yourself with other parents and friends and people you can talk to don't hold your worries about your children inside of you. Find a place to express them and to learn. And, and your, you know, the pro and cons, the more you talk about it, the more aware you'll be and, and the better you'll become. Yes. So we appreciate any who are listening out there, wherever you are. We, we are dealing with a lot of great parents in this world, you know. Boy, we sure are. Yeah. I think parents are more conscientious today than ever. I think they are. It's it's wonderful to see um, how dedicated parents are. I mean, parenting's changed. Parenting was not even a word 50 years ago. Yeah, Nobody yeah. talked about parenting. Right. Now we're going to start a new word called marriaging, yeah, which well. we're going <laughs> to morph into right now. Because we actually, uh, there, like you say, Lynn, there's a lot of good uh, parenting people out there, but are there as many good marriaging people? That's the question. I mean, that's where it all begins. That's where it all starts. And there was one person at the seminar the other day that said, you know, I think uh, my kids are a little mad at me because I told them I'm, 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 my marriage is even more important to me than my children. They're like, what? What can you, how could you yeah, say that? I Mom? really like your dad better than <laughs> I like you. I mean, it was really, uh, it's fun to see the response on your kids' uh, faces when you see that. Now we know we're talking to single parents out there as well. And, right. And, and we appreciate you. That's the hardest job of all. Well, and you know, uh, we've said this before on the show that in our experience, and there's research that shows this too, the better your marriage is, the, the better your parenting will be. It almost always flows one to the other. If, you, if you've got a good marriage or if you're working on your marriage, if you're conscientiously trying to improve it, that tends to spill over into how good of a parent you are. Doesn't always work the other way. There are a lot of people working really hard on parenting and their marriage is not so good. So, so start with the marriaging. That's the key. That's it's like when you're on the airplane and the oxygen mask drops down, put it on yourself first before you put it on your children. 
So, marriaging, Linda. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to, uh, let me introduce it this way. Um, someone asked us the other day, it's been a while, weeks ago, a few weeks ago at a seminar, because we were talking about 10 tips, the top 10 tips for a stronger marriage. And it was when we were done and someone came up and said, listen, if you had to just pick one, I mean, what do I start with? What What's the, of the top 10, what is number one in your mind? What's the one that's the most crucial or the most sort of pivotal? And I had never really thought about that before, but I said, you know, I think, I think it would be the commitment, the total commitment. That's sort of the superstructure on which you build all of your other efforts in, in making your marriage great. And, and that's the thing we're talking about today. This is, this is what we call the top 10 marriage tip number five. And this guy now and I, after talking to him, would now maybe call it number one. But the idea of total commitment which changes everything else, Linda. It, 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 it alters the whole landscape. Yeah, it definitely does. In fact, um, if I hadn't been totally committed, I would have left you a long time ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to get personal, Linda. Oh, man. It is hard when you're dealing with somebody that's really strong-willed, and especially when you're so mild-mannered and, you know, you just go with anything. <laughs> you, speaking of yourself, of right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, it really is a big deal because there are so many things that we disagree on. Um, we only had two arguments yesterday, but it, you know, really oh, yesterday was a light day, wasn't it? That was, Gosh. <laughs> that was, but it really is so important to remember that no matter what you really, you are committed to this person. Well, it just, it changes everything. Like I say, we, uh, again, just a quick little experience, um, we had some renters in one of our little rental houses and, uh, and they were cohabitating. They weren't, they weren't married and we try not to make judgments on people, but I was just in conversation with, with them one day. And I said, uh, uh well, by the way, have you got any marriage? Are you thinking of getting married? Cause I knew they'd been together for a while. And I got the most interesting answer. The answer was, well, we're waiting to see how it works out, and we're waiting to see if we can get through some hard times together. And if we can get through some hard times together, I don't know exactly what they meant by that. I guess you could interpret that a number of different ways. But they said, if we, can, if we prove to each other and to ourselves that we can get through hard times and difficulties together, then we're going to go ahead and make a commitment. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting, because in actual fact, it's the commitment that will get you through the hard times. Yeah. When those hard times come, if the commitment's strong enough, you'll weather the storm, you'll work through it, you'll figure out a way, you'll get the help you need, whatever, whatever it takes. And if you're not committed, uh, oh, it didn't work out, honey. Nice try. I guess we'll part ways. Well, but, you know, we're, we have some dear friends right now whose daughter just went through a divorce because there was actual abuse. Yeah, there's no you know, question that you physical yeah. and emotional. Emotional is worse, I think. Um, abuse. It is really so important that you get out of there when it when you can't change that. And uh, so you know, we're, although we're not I, saying, I, mean, I mean that's a good caveat, honey. But don't you think even even something even something drastic like that is affected? I think there's more abuse or more. Um, 
things that shouldn't happen in a marriage in a marriage where the commitment isn't there. I mean, if if this total commitment is there, I'm not saying that totally protects you from some of the terrible things that still happen between people. But I think abuse in any form is probably less likely in a complete deep commitment than it is. Hey, you know, we're just together and we may stay or we may not. Right. But, you know, there are just people, both both husband and wife, who um, have come from a really interesting background, right. who have seen abuse their whole lives and it's kind of part of them and they're, they're really not going to change, um, even with therapy. So we're not saying, you know, stay committed to something like that. But, you know, if you're two reasonable, good people, there are so many ways to work through hard times if so, you're committed. So in the second half of the show, we're going to try to get into some how-tos. How do you strengthen your commitment? I mean, is that just something you do when you get married and you say, okay, uh, I'm committed. Uh, I'll take my marriage vow. Vow is an interesting word. A marriage ceremony, everyone I've ever seen, even in other cultures and other, other religions and other societies, marriage ceremonies are always about commitment. And so we ought to be aware of that. We ought to we ought to understand what the commitment is. But let's take a brief break, Linda, and then when we come back, let's get into some of the practical aspects. How how do you strengthen your commitment in your marriage? So hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about a lot of things today, but right now we're talking about commitment in marriage. Total commitment. I mean, does that make it sound too ominous, Linda, when you say total commitment? I mean, some people would, would shy a little from that, like, well, I'd rather have a conditional commitment, you know, as long as you don't uh, stray too far or toe the line. I guess in a way, every commitment is conditional because there's something that could blow it out. Absolutely. Of the water. Yeah. But you make it as strong as you can. Right. We we were with a group not long ago doing a seminar and, and uh, we were in Hawaii and uh, there were several of these couples that were having what did they call it when they when they renew their commitments and, and sort of have oh, renew their vows. Is that what it is? I think that's what they say. Yeah. And then they were having actual re-weddings. There, there, there were some little wedding chapels at the hotel where we were. And these people who'd been married for some of them for decades uh, were going back and, and renewing their vows in this little wedding chapel. And I thought, well, that's so interesting. And I talked to one woman and she said, well, we do it every year. Every year we, we renew our vows. And I thought, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> it isn't a bad idea. We, we kind of have to renew our vows a couple times every week. <laughs> but Maybe no, that we should is a do good it idea. more formally. Maybe we should yeah. get a, you know, a justice of the peace over. And <laughs> right. <laughs> Would you marry us again? <laughs> um, it really is good, though, to remember to remember how much we love our spouses because sometimes the things that drive us crazy about them are the things that we really originally loved the most, but they just kind of carry it to an extreme. <laughs> well, and I, sometimes we take this for granted. That's the other thing I was thinking, Linda, you and I, and, and so many couples that we know and love really ought to be careful not to take their commitment for granted because it's such a huge blessing. And, 
what you want to do, I think, is is appreciate it and and think about it a lot because you know when something comes up where you're at odds with each other or or maybe just a hard time in life where you know maybe someone's lost a job or there's a child having real difficulty or there's things going on in your life that are really hard and you're you're let's say you're depressed or you're you're anxious or or you're um, in some way really conflicted um there's something remarkably comforting and encouraging about being able to just think in your own mind you know whatever happens we're committed we're in this together we'll we'll find a way to get through this time and it may be hard and we may have periods where we don't have even much time for each other but that doesn't change the fact that we're totally committed it just sort of smooths out the runway don't you think yeah it does it's a it's, a, it's an amazing thing to um, really make that commitment and stick to it, especially because uh, someone was just saying, we, were, we had a group here last night too, and they were saying they had no idea what they were going to have to and go through together when they got married. There is no clue. I mean, you know, you've got stars in your eyes and so on, but boy, it, it is just quite incredible what happens in a marriage through the years. So some would, that, that's an interesting point, Linda. Some would say then, well, then how can you, and I, first of all, I think we all agreed with that last night. It was like, yeah, when you think how much we didn't know about each other on the day we got married, how young we were and how in love we were and how, you know, we thought we really knew each other, but now comparing that with what we know about each other now, how, how little we knew. And, and so the sort of intuitive thing to say from that would be, well, then how can you make a, a commitment for life or, or in some cases for eternity? How can you make a commitment to someone who, you know, you don't even know them that well or that completely? Isn't that a pretty big risk? It's very, it's really daunting to think about that. But, you know, on the other hand, we were just talking about um, love at first sight. Yeah. The other day and yeah. yesterday. And it was so interesting because I just read a little, you know, on the kids now, when they send out wedding in, uh, invitations or announcements, they have this website that you can go to tell about, tells about their story and everything. And I, I just did that recently to a, a friend who I've known for years, but I didn't know her kids very well. And the, the wife, I didn't know at all. She married this cute boy, this son of theirs. And Honestly, it was the cutest thing. Like, we just walked into the room and we just looked at each other and we just knew that was it. I mean, lights went off, sparklers went off, and we absolutely knew from the get go that that was the way. That, it was. I don't think that's a real common experience. No, I don't. Oh, that all oh, that that could happen to all of us for, for our kids when they were searching for a spouse. Oh my goodness, it's so painful because they overanalyze everything now because um, it's just such an important huge step but yeah. it is so interesting because I, I really think these guys are gonna be okay we're gonna check with them in 10 years and see how well, they're doing you know what I think what's interesting and in, in what you're saying Linda wh whether you had that experience when you first fell in love whether it was love at first sight or or whether it was a process and you know we've met other couples that you know it <laughs> took years right Many, right. many years. Oh, yeah. But whatever it is, I think, I don't know if I can even verbalize this, but 
it, it can't become a totally rational, logical, analytical process. Because if it was, if that's what it was, if it was like we're trying to make these two pegs fit in these holes and we're, we're going to analyze every factor and we're going to somehow come to a scientific conclusion as to whether our marriage will work, then nobody would ever get married because they'd never know enough to, to really understand yeah, things. So my point is whether it's love at first sight or whether, whether it's a gradual process, there comes a point where you're sort of taking a leap of faith. That, don't you think that's what marriage always is? You, you, I mean, you don't realize it at the time. You think, oh, I love this person. I love everything about this person. We're madly in love. We're going to get married. But over time, you'll realize how little you knew about each other at the time. And you'll, you'll realize that, that that commitment of marriage was really a leap of faith. It was a leap of love. You were basing it more on emotion and feeling and the joy you felt in being together than you were on some analytical thing about that you were totally compatible and everything was copacetic. And so I think um, that's the answer to the question, how can you make a commitment before you totally know everything about a person? And the answer is you follow your heart. You follow your heart and you make the commitment and it's like a leap of faith. And you're essentially saying, I don't know what the future holds. I, that's why the, the marriage uh, language in some civil ceremonies, I think, is so beautiful. In sickness and health, in good times and mm. bad, mm. you're essentially saying, I don't know what the future holds and I don't even fully know you. I don't even fully know myself. But we are going to make this commitment. It's a bold thing, commitment. It's a powerful leap of faith and trust. Well, and as we see friends who are 10 years older than we are, and sometimes more, taking care of their spouse who are, are really down and out. I mean, they, they yeah. lost it on, I don't know, whether physically or mentally or whatever. And to see how they can sit and take care of these spouses spouses for until yeah. the end i mean it is quite an inspiration and we it's have, beautiful it's a beautiful it really thing. is we um have several people in our congregation who are 90 or older yeah. 90s 5 98 some of them it's more and more beautiful. some have lost their spouses but the others are, are caring so beautifully for spouses even though they didn't know that was in their job description when they got married. Well, I'm going to be a little more personal. I'm not going to mention a name, but a very dear friend of ours and someone that I spent a lot of time with uh, has had two experiences that just almost make me weep to, because because of the beauty of them. His, his first wife uh, struggled with a really, really difficult disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, actually. Yes. And he cared for her for a decade and managed to... Uh, continue to show his love and devotion and commitment. And then, as luck or the lack of luck would have it, he remarried a lovely person who developed Alzheimer's. And again, for many years, he was her caregiver. And you may say, oh, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And it is sad on a number of levels. But if you knew him and if you watched the commitment and the devotion, there was something elegantly beautiful about that. Absolutely wonderful. And now the happy news is, He's getting married again <laughs> in December. 
And uh, they're both, I mean, I think he's 79 and she's 76 or something like that. That's a beautiful thing. And it is, they are so perfect for each other. We're so, it's such a fun thing to see. But, you know, when we, when I was a little young ditzy girl um, and I was writing out my list. I wish you could have known Linda as a young ditzy girl. I'm still kind of ditzy, darn it. But anyway, um, when I was young, I remember writing my list, my 10 things that I was looking for, you know, on a spouse. Oh, right. And uh, I'll never forget that. Number one was sense of humor. And actually, I found somebody that's really pretty funny. But there are so many other things that are more important at which you don't realize. Well, it, you know, I don't know. That, that's a pretty big one, actually, because um, you got to laugh, keep laughing. Like, laughing and laughter is part of the commitment, right? It is. And, and, and it's easier. That's an interesting point, Linda. It's easier to laugh at things when there is commitment, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, we'll laugh through this one. We'll get through it because we're committed. You know. And sometimes you just think, how could life get more ridiculous it is yeah, so crazy there's so, so crazy. many things going on but um it really is quite a ride well and let me let's get to, before we run out of time let's uh let's get to something that's really the the sort of bottom line here i think and i, I think you'll agree linda that uh, commitment in the sense that we're talking about it in a marriage is not just something you do and then you put it in a box. You put it in a safe. Okay, we got the commitment. We got our marriage license. We got our we got our certificate. We're we're committed. Put it in the safe and that's it. What what we want to stress and to ourselves as well as to those of you who are listening, commitment needs to be a dynamic, ongoing, active thing. In other words, if you're if you're thinking I'm committed, fine. End of story. That's not going to cut it. But if you're thinking, I'm commitment, what, I'm, I'm committed. What do I do to demonstrate that commitment? How do I show my commitment to my spouse as often as possible? And and you'll you'll have to find your own answer for that because you know we get into love languages and we get into different people need different things and yeah. so on. But the question, the challenge that I think we would put to you is, ask yourself that question. Number one, ask two questions. Number one, am I totally committed? Am I as committed as I could possibly be? And number two, how am I showing that commitment to my spouse? You know, it's interesting that sometimes I have thought, um, and somebody gave us this advice to say, okay, so you're in an argument and you say, well, I totally disagree with what the way you want to do this. But if you, if you really feel you want to do it, even knowing that I disagree, I'll, I'll do it. And it, well, it's, sometimes that's a good technique too, because it disarms it the other person. It does. And usually like, Oh, that gives me uh, pause because you totally disagree. And I'm, I'm going to make the decision here or the other way around, but it is really important too. It's almost something that. that hangs in the air. It's like, it's like if the commitments there, it's, an, it's like an atmosphere that's around you. And so you approach things differently. You, you know, if there's a if there's a, a, a thing you're disagreeing on or if there's a child with a problem and you see it in two different ways or if if there's something really driving you both crazy, but in, but you need to get together on it or or if everything's just great. I mean, that's the other thing. Sometimes the time we take commitment for granted is when there aren't any big issues right now or any big, powerful, overwhelming frustrations. And we're just kind of floating along almost ignoring each other, almost not showing our commitment. That's a danger time too. So I think 
you know, that's for me, that's the bottom line. And you have the last word, Linda, but my uh, that's how, where I want to end today. I want to commit myself to making my total commitment to you a more active, conscious thing that I'm thinking about and trying to activate and implement every day. Yeah, and I think it is an everyday thing. Every day we have to recommit. So um, we hope we gave you a few little ideas to talk about uh, with your spouse this week. And we wish you the very best wherever you're on the road. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.